Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Motor Mouth Podcast, the podcast where a lot of great ideas have gone absolutely fucking nowhere. My name is Joel Tyree, and with me, as always, is my esteemed co-host, the ghost of Tim Gerard. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> two topics enter, but not this week. We're doing Marvel Phase 2 films, and then a lot of discussion of life and also Doctor Strange. It's it's an amalgam. It's a, it's an amalgam of badness. <laughs> <laughs> so just do with that with what you, you will. Which that it was it was funny. I remember watching. Was it like a few years ago? My cousin came to visit, and I think he hadn't seen Guardians of the Galaxy. And like you know, Chris was not big into superhero stuff in general. And I was like, oh, like well, let's watch Guardians. Like it's pretty. It's mostly funny. It's not a typical comic book movie. You know this this and that. And like, I think it was my second time watching it. And I was like, I don't, I don't know that I like this all that much. Like not, not to say that I dislike it or it's bad, but just like, I, I didn't care about the guardians of the galaxy before. And I saw it because this is a Marvel film. And I was like, wow, this is better than what I was expecting. But like on rewatching it, I was just like, eh, I feel like I got everything I needed to after watching it the first time, you know? I feel like I rewatched that one a lot and kind of burnt myself out. I think because it, it's like, they sold it on a soundtrack and that was like the end and they wrote it really hard. And I think they, they like, I think they did that really well. And I think the visuals are good. It's like a serviceable, like, but I, I think it, it didn't improve rewatching for sure. It definitely yeah. like it, it had a, a short half-life in that. Like guardians two, I think is worse but I like it more because it's got ego, the fucking living planet and it's Kurt right. fucking Douglas. Like it's yeah. like, or Kurt Russell, like just a great, I, I don't know. Like that's comic book shit. That's, that's the shit I want from this cosmic universe. I want that yeah. Kirby nonsense. And it's the first time they did it, you know, like it's not Galactus is a cloud, you know, <laughs> I want the big dude. I want the big purple dude. Yeah. And they gave me the big blue face. <laughs> And they made his face everything in on the planet too. Like that, yeah. yes, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. And you know, and, and that's the thing, like where I'm at now too, is like I'm also, you know, and that's part of it too. Like, I'm not I'm not angry about multiverse of madness because that's the thing, is there's enough Marvel stuff that you you don't need to love all of it, you know, and that's kind of the, yeah. the way I am with it is like, you know, like if if every now and then one of them is mediocre, like I'm fine with that. You know, it's like I, you know, like not not every film is going to be like the best possible film and your new favorite film and tied with all your other Marvel films that are all your other favorite films, you know, like, you know, and I, I feel like that was the, the big realization I had when Iron Man three came out and everyone was like disappointed. And I was like, it's the first film after Avengers. Like, it, is it, are you expecting it to be better than Avengers? It's not going to be, you know, like, like Avengers was a climax and now we're building up to a new climax, you know, like, you know, plus it's also kind of like an epilogue to Avengers. Cause it's like, Oh, look, Tony has PTSD and he's got to deal with that. You know, like, I mean, I thought, I thought it did a great job of wrapping up the Iron Man trilogy and still kind of taking Avengers into account. And, you know, like all of that, the way all of that came together, it wasn't the most exciting. Like, yeah, there was a lot of downtime while he was hanging out with that kid and stuff like that. But it's like, I, I, I don't know. Like I, I thought it was the best a film can be being the first film after Avengers, you know? And, and that's the thing is like, yeah, like I don't love it. It's not my favorite, but not every Marvel film is going to be my favorite and that's fine. You know, and I don't, I really, I'm not, so I don't have to be mad about it. You know, it's like, you know, 
I really detached with Iron Man three with the extremists thing. I, I just I I never read it. I know you you liked that run in the comics, but for me it was just like everything about Iron Man had been so grounded in mm-hmm. terms of like science right. for it to be like this poison ivy level bio bomb comic book stuff like it, that that's really what that was the problem i didn't want it to be avengers like i i wanted iron man one again yeah and they didn't give me that and like i thought it was kind of a letdown that we get this you get ben kingsley and they built him up so hard for a joke. so weird <laughs> it's a good joke like I, I think it's funny and they pay it off in shang chi like but like they they wrote themselves into that corner that they mm-hmm. did that like they, no one did that to them and i yeah. i wasn't all that great like i didn't think uh guy pierce as the mandarin made any sense mm-hmm. and his glowing thing like the the rendering of him wasn't all that great in the glow and it was again it was like suit city because he was stress building and just threw and it was just cgi shit knocking into cgi shit it just mm-hmm. like that like uh, uh, glowing, melty uh, uh, suicide bombers fighting fucking <laughs> digital suits. Like it, it just—it was so removed from the guy in the cave. I don't—I don't know. Like it, it was. I wish there had been less noise around the man recovering from PTSD and finding. It doesn't matter how big a suit of like a weapon he built. He now needs to build a suit of armor around the world. Now he like the scale has increased, and right. that's that's the important part of that film. And it, it yeah. it's not a happy film. And they tried to temper that. I feel like with the, the kid storyline, and like I I don't know. Like I I like the simplicity of like he needed somebody to just tell him that he was an engineer, like. Like he needed something to focus him on just building stuff. But yeah. we had already had that arc in the previous one with the discovering the new element. So it, again, like it, it's, it's my problem wasn't that it was a poor follow-up to the Avengers. It just it it was very much a deviation from okay, what Iron Man had been in terms of grounded villains. And it wasn't like, I don't think it served any purpose because they haven't done anything with extremists since. Hmm. Right? Like, it wasn't like they, they brought Mandarin back or they did yeah. it because they like did it's, I think it's still in Pepper, right? Because she got injected. Right. But they haven't referenced it because Paltrow yeah. hasn't been in shit for more than four seconds because that's all she has to do for her contract, I guess. Yeah. Like, okay, put her in the armor. Okay, we see the armor. that Just so we know it's her, then we can just right. see her in the armor. Yeah. So, and, yeah, and I mean to be fair, like I was, I wasn't super pleased with how they handled the ex- extremist as- aspect of it, because um, part of what made it so cool was first he has to face someone who's like hopped up on extremists, and that person fucks him up. Like even inside the armor, I think he does the whole thing where he punches and catches his hand, and the guy like crushes his hand inside the armor, like his hand, like all the fingers get turned to powder, and I think his leg gets broken and all this other stuff. So he like he gets fucked up inside his armor. Like that's how strong extremist was. And I think it was also more than just the whole, like, Oh, I can turn molten or whatever. I think it was like strength. There was a lot of aspects to it. Um, And what I liked about it was the fact that like, 
it was it was used as a way of kind of healing him from the the severe damage he got in that fight and then you know because you know there were so many people who were like struggling with it and the way it kind of manipulated them but it's like because he was an engineer and he had been doing all this iron man stuff and i think even before that he was working on the whole integrating his suit suit as nanotech to being inside his body which is super creepy like that's what i liked about it is it was it was creepy like you're right that it wasn't as grounded but it was getting into like sci-fi horror esque if they had gone at it from that angle yeah from like a a response to molecular biology mm-hmm. iron man's suit is now fighting viruses that's different than what they did. Yeah. What they did was here's some hokey shit that makes you into a bomb. They right. did not, none of that. But that makes totally here's a disease that is rapidly increasing and fucking people up. Okay, we have to make Iron Man a response to that. And like I that is in the spirit of the character. It makes sense. He's gotta he's gotta engineer his way out of things. And when it's when he is just throwing suits, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it just it loses all of those suits become less interesting because it, it, they get nerfed in the first five minutes. You know, like it. Yeah, doesn't matter how cool the Mark Fifty Six is. You see it for two seconds and it's gone. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That was the thing too. Like part of the extremist story was about him becoming iron man again because the whole idea was that up until that point it's kind of as we've seen him where he has this you know this heads-up display that he's going to interact with in order to control the suit you know like whereas part of the extremist was him becoming the suit in a way too where mm-hmm. you know it and you know he didn't have to speak to make things happen like it happened because of thought because it was integrated yeah, into his like nervous system and everything. And yeah, I think he has like all, I think they kind of hint at this where he has like plugs all over his body, but the suit, the nanotech comes out of those plugs, right? which is kind of what they did later on where he's got the one chest piece and that's where everything comes out of, which is less creepy. And maybe that's why they went that route. But, but yeah, that's part of what was so cool is I think he was already working at, at a way. And again, they did this a little, I think he had plugs in his arm and that was a way to tell the glove, Oh, come to this thing where he was like injecting the things under his skin. Right. But that was kind of what was making it more streamlined to get the suit onto him. But yeah, an extremist, it's like much creepy. It's almost like carnage, you know, where the symbiote right. like lives in his blood. Like it's almost like that where, Tony had basically like put the nanotech of the suit inside of his body and it was connected to his brain and his nervous system. And um, so that was one of the really cool things. Yeah. Like it was this evolution of Iron Man, you know, if you had come at it from, okay, extremis is the thing that you need to be able to recover from getting the shrapnel out and actually, okay, maybe I don't need the suit. Maybe who am I without this, this thing, right? Iron Man was, developed to save my heart and as an extension the world from p- destruction and war so maybe extremis is the way you recover from that and then you have to develop in response to it taking over your body and then you have the molecular the 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 viral suit right like the, the yeah. h1n1 or like the inoculation <laughs> suit like that's fucking cool that's great yeah. do that shit again like uh yeah. No, yeah, and that's the thing is, yeah, I'm not saying it was a perfect film, but like I, I liked it. I liked. I, I think also one of the things that came out of that too is like when I had gone to see it with one of my friends, 
And one of the things he didn't like was how at the end, you know, he gets the thing, all the shrapnel removed and, and is able to get the, the, you know, the implant of the, the reactor removed because of that. And he was like, well, why didn't he do that in day one? If they had the technology to remove the shrapnel, like he would have done that earlier. And I was like, that's how trauma and guilt works. Like, you know, you sometimes like have a wound or an injury or something. And you're like, I don't deserve to have this fixed. And like, he just didn't buy it. He's like, that's not how people work. That's not how people think. And it's like, obviously you haven't had trauma or you haven't sort of like, you know, like, or like I said, like, you know, like, like he felt responsible for that. He felt like he deserved to have that in his body as a constant reminder. Like, this is what your previous life was like. You were. Not only have they not had trauma, they didn't fucking watch the movie because the whole point is he changes his whole life because of that, and that metal represents it. Like it's how do you mistake that? I don't. Yeah, and yeah, you have to really be at a point of like coming coming to terms and coming to peace with that. But also, yeah, like it was probably a reminder for him to not go into his old ways, and he had probably had to know that. I'm not going to become that guy again. Okay. Now I can, I can take this out without, you know, that being there as a reminder and, you know, and that I've earned, I've earned the right to not have this constant reminder waiting to kill me and, you know, whatever else. And, you know, and that I can, I can still go on to be Iron Man, not because I have to, but because I want to, you know, because, <laughs> you, know you know, like Batman, Batman forever. Yeah, yeah. Batman forever. <laughs> yeah. Because I choose to be. <laughs> All right, so we've already inadvertently talked about Guardians and Iron Man 3, and it's two of the six for phase, phase two. Oh, look at that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, we're going to cobble this together. I don't, we don't need to take too much more time, but let's talk about Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do it at the end. I'll do the intro and the outro at the intro. Okay. And we can do all of the, the mid stuff here. <laughs> so Thor the Dark World. Well, okay, let's let's talk about uh, Iron Man in terms of rewatchability on our, our scale of 1 to 10 in terms of rewatchability. I forget where other things were on the scale. I I would say probably a 7. Um but but here's the thing is I don't know that I would just watch Iron Man 3 by itself. Like it if be... I was either going to be I'll either do the Iron Man trilogy, you know, cuz I feel like it you know, it functions well as the third act to that trilogy. Um, or if I was going to do, you know, I, yeah, I might watch Avengers and then that, you know, to kind of see that, that follow through. Um, that's, I, I feel like that's part of it too. Like, you know, like reading the comic books, sometimes you can't just read a series straight, straight through. It's like, if they interact with this crossover, like you need to see the crossover. So, mm-hmm. you know, going through that, like Iron Man one, two Avengers, Iron Man three, I feel like that would be a pretty satisfying little, little, little binge, you know, to, to yeah. watch. Um, I mean, maybe I would watch it by itself just because I haven't seen it as much as some of the others, you mm-hmm. know, like, I feel like yeah. that usually happens with part three is that part one comes out, you watch it over and over again. Part two is going to come out. So you watch part one, a bunch of times, then you watch part two, and then maybe you watch part two a few times, or you go back and watch one and two, one and two, one and two, and then part three comes out and you watch it. And it's like, by then you're kind of like, okay, I've seen this whole series so many times, you know, and I feel like that definitely happened where I feel like that happened with me for the phases. Cause I'm looking at phase two and these are all films that I don't often rewatch. Yeah. The ones that I have rewatched are, yeah, it's interesting to see that, that, cause I feel like I've watched more of phase one just out of habit, starting, starting the cycle. I don't think I I start or or mix and match quite in the way that you suggested with like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've watched a progression of a single character or a team through 
I haven't watched the Spider-Mans in, in that way either. That's interesting. Yeah. I, yeah, this is an interesting. Yeah, I think Iron Man 3 is like low, low on mine. 3, I think, is is probably where I've got it. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely necessary for a rewatch of like the, the, the big plot points. I think it's really important for Tony's development. And I think given, I mean, Downey is untouchable in it. Like he's good. He sells the arc, whatever schlock they give him. And it's Shane Black too. I wanted it to be better. Like I like Shane Black as a director, but it just, I, I didn't, it just didn't fire for me. So like in terms of like getting, getting that closure for Iron Man, getting, getting a, a sense of where his head's at and what leads to civil war. I think it's very important. Like you really, it really establishes where he's at. Um, yeah, I think that one's low. Like it's necessary to a rewatch, but I, I think I'll pick it up less frequently. And so it's mm-hmm. probably in that three, three or four range. So we talked about guardians, but let's talk about the rating for guardians here. I think I, it might be inverted for, well, no, I don't know. Again, I think it's one that I watched a lot as it came out because it was, it was accessible. Right, I felt like it was mm-hmm. it was a good summer movie. I felt like people saw it because it was just weird and different. I maybe Dead Center Five. I'll, I'll put it at. Then that's a de- demotion from where it would have been maybe even two years ago. Yeah, I think for me it's probably more like three, um, maybe even lower. Like I don't, yeah, unless I'm gonna do like a hard. I will watch every Marvel film in order. You know, like a really big rewatching of everything. Or, I mean, maybe when three comes out, like if three is amazing and I'm like, oh, now that I've seen three, I want to go back and watch Guardians one, two, and three or something like that. Right. You know, maybe part of, but but just in general, like of all the different, yeah, like characters or groups I could follow, like they're also lowest on my list. Like, yeah, I'd rather rewatch all the Iron Mans in a row or the Thors or the Captain Americas or, you know, Spider-Man, even starting with the Tobey Maguire, like what, you know. Like Guardians is definitely like lower on the list, which again, like, you know, that's not a criticism of the film. It's just that of all the Marvel characters, they're the ones that going into the film, I didn't care about. So, I mean, it says something about the quality of the film that I enjoyed it the first time, but you know, it's just, yeah, they're not, they're not characters I care all that much about, or, you know, and again, even when it was the comics, I was like, I am not reading these. These look stupid, you know? (laughs) Um, So, so yeah. So again, it's not, it's not a, it's not a judgment thing. It's just a, my preference thing that, yeah, there are, there are, if I had a choice between, you know, guard, well, Oh, rewatch the guardians or watch something else, you know, um, I, I pick mostly anything else, you know, so but that's just me. Yeah. It, it, it's one that it is like hangover. Like when hangover came out, I watched it a lot that mm-hmm. summer. Everybody had it. Everybody red boxed it. Like we watched the hell out of that movie. And I feel like Guardians got the same treatment. Guardians ages better. Like, but I think it was just, yeah, I think it was that kind of energy of the thing. Like, a, it was very much a summer popcorn movie in, in my head. Like, that. that's... Yeah. It was also, yeah, yeah like, I feel like a, a breath of fresh air within the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Like, you were, you know, oh, this is what Marvel is. Like, this kind of, you know, kind of broke out of that mold where it's like, okay, individual characters building up to a team. Oh, this is just a team, you know, and we're gonna have one film to put the team together and they're just a team, you know, um, and which, which is good because I didn't want a movie of all those individual characters building right. up to a team, you know? Yeah. 
but it's also like it established like the the width of the universe right too because that was such a big question about the next thing is like how are we going to combine these worlds mm-hmm. and they do kind of inadvertently but they haven't quite like i mean the battle but like in terms of like star lord being on earth <laughs> and doing earth shits or like the, the, that gap has never really been been kind of crossed which is another interesting because as as you're watching, and I guess that's something I forget as it goes on, is that like there's movies where you're like, oh, I really thought they were going to extend this direction, and they don't in the same way that they're doing they did with Multiverse of Madness. Uh, but Thor: The Dark World. Mm-hmm. Now this one gets the most shit, I think, of any, like e- even more than Immortal, Immortal Hulk. And I don't know really why. I feel like I rewatched this. And I was like, there's nothing wrong with this. Like, it, it's, I like it for Loki's character development. Mm-hmm. The the villain is kind of a nothing. The the Jane Foster storyline is kind of a nothing. But like, it, it's not unwatchable. It's not offensive. It, it's just kind of meh. Like, I it, I don't think it deserves the, the, the bad rap. It, and like, I think it's important for character development like you mm-hmm. thor goes through a lot of stuff in it too you know like there's growth that really pays off in ragnarok but like i i don't know i think i think this this film is very imperfect in an imperfect trilogy but leads to like the most broken punk rock interesting character in the whole of the story you know that's kind of where i'm at with it yeah, it's it's definitely like that awkward middle, the part two of a trilogy. You know, it's it's the temple of doom of <laughs> you know, like um hopefully hopefully Love and Thunder will not be the <laughs> of the Don't you thing. say those words. <laughs> no, it won't be I'm editing that no word will not have that on the podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm gonna beep it out and nobody's gonna yeah. know. We're also gonna <laughs> beep, yeah. beep out the explanations yeah. <laughs> just be like you went on a tirade <laughs> Tim no you have to stop Tim Tim you can't say that <laughs> but yeah no I, I I agree with you what you said about character development I think that I what I liked about it is I feel like they took a more grounded aesthetic to like the kind of you know Norse aspect of them like I feel like in the first one you know, all of their their costumes are kind of very bright and shiny, yeah. and it looks more like the comic books. Whereas this was more like, oh, like Practical. they're they're wearing, yeah, like you know, and I feel like his hair was a more natural blonde color as opposed yeah. to that like yellow. Like maybe he used some perp champ between the first one and the second one. You know, like and and I feel yeah, I feel like everything just felt more like real, more tangible. Um, I, I do feel that the main purpose was just like, we need a way to introduce the ether, the reality stone. Right. And that was like at the core of it, because it was definitely just like, I feel like, yeah, watching a lot of it, it's like, oh, I'm enjoying living in this world. You know, this world seems more, more real, more tangible than the first Thor, which, which by the way, is like super ironic that the Kenneth Branagh directed one was yeah. more like comic booky and i don't know who directed the second one but this was more kind of grounded and 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 earthy and you know um so yeah i just thought that was i don't know how much of that was the studio yeah you know it it felt like a progression from viking like the aesthetic was very much okay 
what if these aliens came to Earth during this period and just really liked that aesthetic and how they would have extended it and it livable. Like it, it's it's a very when they go to the different realms and there's like huts and they're like among people and it's mm-hmm. like you really get a different sense of like the kind of life Thor had that wasn't just space Jesus punk kid does whatever he wants and daddy bows him out of it. Like it really established those places as like livable. But like you said, it was a fetch quest movie. It was all about finding this ether that we still don't really fucking understand what it did. But it just, it was a a movie with only that end in mind. And like, again, like I love what they do, but I mean, they fridge Freya, but Loki, Loki's relationship with his adopted mother is as important as Thor's relationship with her. Yeah. So that, that was really, I like that a lot. Yeah. I also, Oh, we should also mention the, the idea. I mean, it's probably common knowledge by now, but in, in reference to this being phase two, how this was, I think this was around the time when Marvel was bought by Disney as I think it was like, maybe like, I forget the Disney acquired star Wars first and then Marvel or something like that. But I think, I remember reading that like as a tribute to star Wars and to empire strikes back specifically, since this was phase two, like the second part of their phases in every one of the movies in phase two, someone loses a hand as a reference to Luke. Really? Yeah. Um, as a you know, reference to Luke losing his hand in, in Empire. Um, Weird, silly. So yeah, so that's that's a, a funny thing to mention about this. That's like you know, it was like a, a fun little Easter egg in the way they kind of chose to like handle that and deal with that. Or I shouldn't say hand; I should say limb. Because <laughs> I think I think in Ant Man and the Wasp, it's when Anthony I think loses one of his wings, and that's what uh, they like. They got, like I think like someone shooting at him, and like the bullet like grazes and like takes off one of his wings. So that was like how it was done in Ant Man, but like. Um, but yeah, so that was just a, a fun thing to see and, and we should maybe track all those in that. Yeah. Cause I think in, what is it in Iron Man three, I think, doesn't he lose his hand at one point, like the, the guy Pierce, the gets, but then it grows back oh, because right. it's That's like, right. because of extremists or something like that. Um, what is it in? Does he lose like, his eye? Thor loses his eye. Well, that's in uh, the third one. In this one, it's when he's reaching to get Mjolnir and Loki cuts his hand off, but it was an illusion. Ah, right. But that was, yeah, that's what it was, which, yeah, it's that, that was like, you know, Game of Thrones level horror where like he cuts it off and you see like the bone and meat left in his stump, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, at that point, yeah, you don't know that they're in cahoots and they're kind of, you know, it's, they're working together. So it's like, oh, fuck, like Thor just lost his hand. Like, what the fuck? And then it's like, oh, no, it was Loki's illusion. And that's like right before Loki gets killed. And it's like this whole thing where, oh, they were working together and now Loki's killed and that's fucked up. And, but, um, yeah, so that's that's another fun thing we can track through those. I forget who it is. Who is it in? Oh, I think it's a, a group. Group gets one of his arms cut off, but of course that goes uh, back. Yeah. Plus, there's like the prosthetic limb that's a running joke in that. Right. Yeah. That's another thing that gets old. Maybe it's just Bradley Cooper. Oh, I'll Bradley get that. Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> He's just yeah. like so insistent, like just. And that joke comes back in the next one. He's just like <laughs> trying to get all these amputated limbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how he gets Thor a new eye, right? Because he has yes. eyes that he's stolen or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, Thor in the Dark World. It's kind of you know, it's fine. But yeah, it seems like it's a it's a com- combination of 
We don't know what we're going to do for this Thor sequel. We also don't know how we're going to introduce the ether, which is this weird thing. I feel like with some of the stones, they kind of work themselves out very organically, mm-hmm. you know, like the, like the power stone, like, Oh yeah, of course this, this asshole wants power to be able to destroy a planet. You know, like that makes sense. Why someone is chasing down the power stone, but like how the reality stone kind of, you know like how do, how do we work that into a story how does that how is that a thing how is that like you know that definitely seems the one they spend the least amount of time on throughout the whole series is like it's also game breaking too right if anybody has it to manipulate anything it could fuck everything up too yeah. right like yeah so i think I, yeah for this one like rewatchability it's probably i'd say a five because I do, I do kind of enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. And again, it's like there, there are definitely ones I would rather watch, but it's not on the end of like, like oh, it would have to be like, like I said with Guardians, like it would have to be a certain circumstance for me to say right. yes, I will rewatch that. Whereas with this one, it's like I could go either way, you know, like right. You know, if I think I'm in a four different, you know, yeah, 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 probably a four for me. Just like it. it watchable nothing offensive about it just again not one i'm reaching for on the show i don't think i even own this one i think it like it's not one i bought so th- right. i i learned my lesson with way earlier with marvel films than i did uh, uh star wars <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i didn't buy solo i bought rogue one mm-hmm. i bought last jedi and force awakens and i didn't buy rise of skywalker and it didn't buy so right. it took a long time to get me to that point <laughs> yeah I, and i learned like i i put i put my mcu collection through piecemeal like people mm-hmm. digitally had stuff or i got stuff on black friday and stuff like mm-hmm. there was definitely like started started making cuts to the new ones coming like i don't need that one right? yeah. so, like that that's that's another metric by which to judge these films that <laughs> um, doesn't so, work for me because I'm I'm gonna buy all of them just to have the whole run. And actually, I do need to at some point replace Iron Man and Hulk because I have those two on DVD, and I want to have right. them on Blu-ray like all the rest. Nice. But um, I, I haven't bought a lot of the recent ones just because, like now, you know, they they kind of came out during COVID, and it's like, oh man, now I have to buy like three movies on Blu-ray, which is going to be probably like a hundred dollars. Um, so at some point, I'll get around to buying like what was the, the last one I bought was. Uh, Oh, Far From Home. Mm-hmm. So what is it? I have to buy Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and then Eternals. And then I did buy No Way Home. So I do have that one. So yeah, I have three in the middle that I need to buy. And now, you know, Mom, when it comes out, got to get that one too. Yeah. Winter Soldier. Yeah. Oh, damn. I fucking love this movie. Like this, this, this was like, this, and that's the thing. I think this is why Thor The Dark World bears so much of the burden of like the or sequel of all of these because it was yeah. the last one before the best follow up. Like I, I feel like because it's the bro the, the brothers, the, the fact that they did a bait and switch with the genre. Mm-hmm. They the not only did the character evolve, but it, the genre shifted to fit the narrative necessity of the character. And that's what Taika essentially did with Ragnarok, right? Like he right. made it more Kirby-esque and more eclectic and strange like and then made it into sci-fi like rock opera sci-fi you know like mm-hmm. whereas this one it, it made a, a historical biographical character from world war ii into a spy 
and it, it, as good as the Bournes and Mission Impossible's and Bond, like just I like I liked it. I it, it just is very. I understood the dynamics. I understood the conflict of the eras that he was trying to navigate between. I Bucky's great in all the ways you want, like a silent killer bad guy to be. Oh yeah, like. It, it's incredible. Like I, I think that's this is probably the one I've rewatched the most of all of them. Yeah, it, I, great. I, and I love the the continuing to butt heads with Fury and the people in charge. Well, I mean, not Fury because Fury ends up going AWOL and all of that with this, but like the, the idea that Shield is no longer and the establishment is no longer where Captain America's loyalty lies or his sensibility is not in line with the modern espionage world. And I, I, I don't know, like from a ground up reworking of a character's dynamic and it was seamless, just it, it was a natural progression. He, he learns, he grows, Falcon is in this. Black Widow plays a great part in it. Like, no, I, I think everybody in it is elevated by it. You kind of, you got the sense sitting down watching it. And I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to, that was the thing going into it. I was like, I, I like the first one, but what, what are they going to do with this? Yeah. And you got, you, you got the tone really quickly and you're like, Oh, they're just doing like a spy versus spy. That, oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's what cap would be doing now is kind of running a, a strike team, like a tactical that, that makes so much sense. And I, they just execute brilliantly. Yeah. I love too, that it had like, I don't know if this was intentional, but I feel like there was a degree of like a foreshadowing of civil war. Cause kind of how like in the comic civil war plays out where they kind of, you know, a bunch of people have cap in a room and they're kind of wondering what side he's going to be on. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, this is unconstitutional. And all of a sudden I think you see like the, the, you know, the red laser pointers on him, like, okay, cap, like, all right, just settle down. He just fucking dives out the window and all of a sudden like he's a criminal because shield decided he is because, you know, he doesn't want to do what they want to do. And I like that they twisted that and said, you know, we'll take that element, but we'll make shield actual bad guys, you know, like yeah. kind of, you know, um, but yeah, yeah the I, Hydra I, I, angle about it too. I forgot about that. Cause it's yeah. Zola, right? Zola comes back is like bunker. Yeah. Villain. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And this was the one too, like how it like, fit right into the episodes of agents of shield that were on TV at the time where like, you know, the last, the previous episodes week was like, Oh yeah, whatever. And then this came out. And then the next episode of shield was like them dealing with the ramifications of that, like from the film, like, okay, yeah. Hydra. Now you were dealing with this, you know? And I thought that was like a cool way to like cross over the two. Um, but, but yeah, like I, 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 and I think I had only recently before this, I had, I had read winters, the winter soldier comics. So that was kind of cool that like, I knew, I knew who he was, you know, and it was, but you know, not enough to be like, okay, this is exactly how this is going to play out and everything. And, you know, the, uh, you know, cause I think the comics had been out for a while. Cause I think, yeah, I think in the comics, they, that storyline was like before civil war. Cause I think part of the whole thing was like when, you know, at the end of Civil War in the comics, when Cap dies, you know, that's when it's like, oh, who's going to be the next Captain America? And Bucky's part of that conversation in, in the comics, too. Um, but yeah, so like, I remember kind of 
knowing that they were doing that is like, oh, okay, are they going to kill Cap? Is Bucky going to be the new Cap? You know, it's like, you know, it kind of opened the door to all these other storylines that came from the, in the comics. But yeah, I just, I thought it was like so cool that they were so dipping into. And that's the thing too, is like, I was never interested in Captain America until I started reading Civil War and wanted to dip back into the, um, who the hell wrote those? He was one of like, around that time, one of the really top, uh, writers. Um, I, I keep thinking Bruckheimer. It's not, I know it's not Bruckheimer, but like there's, uh, Brubaker. Ed Brubaker. Brubaker. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, like that was one of the things that was, I think that was also the time period where my fandom really shifted from characters to writers. And I started right. following writers that I liked and what other stories they wrote. So that was, that for me was a part of that, of like reading civil war and wanting to know more about Iron Man and cap and digging into like the, the stories directly leading into, you know, I didn't dig all the way back to like, you know, decades before, but like, I think with both Iron Man and cap, like the runs had started over at number one, about a year before, um, a year or so before Civil War. So I was like, oh, that's a perfect place to start. I can jump back here, you know, and get there. Um, but yeah, it was so cool. So I was so, so excited to see it on screen. Um, yeah, I thought it was, it was great. It was, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it's one of those things like it's, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that we, we don't get the long-term payoffs in, in the movies, you know, whereas like, you know, Bucky died, I think in the comics back in like what the forties or something like that. I think like during the world war era, when the comics were actually coming out, I think was when he died and then coming in like, you know, the early two thousands or whenever civil war was written, like, Oh, Bucky's back from the dead, you know, as opposed to like cap one, he dies cap two, he's back, you know, but but that's fine. You know, we don't have that time. We don't have decades and decades to kind of build that. But like the fact that that was, I'm assuming that was worked in, you know, when they were doing cap, like, Oh, our, our next one's going to be winter soldiers. We got to make sure we, you know, our Bucky that we cast is not just a throwaway, you know, like he is going to die, but he's coming back and he has to play this other role. And I thought, yeah, Sebastian Stan was like incredible as that, you know? Yeah. Um, totally believable like i again but he was just like dude's cold like cold-blooded killer pun intended like he and he, he captured all of that and you like i mean the development of that character and i, I love that like i i don't i wish they had focused a little bit more on it but like i, I he was kind of peripheral like it would have been cool to have like a bucky movie but like i again i wouldn't having seen Falcon and Winter Soldier is like that. Okay. I didn't want a series long of that, that kind of geopolitical yeah. politics. I, I, that tone did not sustain as long in for, for that format for me as I, as the movies have. Um, and like, again, a bridge between this and so, I mean, civil war is all like, the one probably have seen second. At the beginning, I would not have suspected that the Captain America sequels were going to be my favorite in right. like the the solo hero titles in the series. Like I I would never have predicted that. Like just just a testament to what what's the brothers' names? I can't. I, uh, Russo brothers. Russo brothers. Like I I don't know that I knew of them before that, but like everything they touched in the Marvel universe after this point was just spot on killer excellent like so much says that they handed the, the reins from to to avengers to them like this this was their their resume and man did they earn their job you know like this showed 
that they could plant seeds and do that long form storytelling in in the scope of and again seriously the genre shift that's not an easy thing to do to to change the genre of a film series on the second one we just watched them try and fail with thor right like they didn't do it with thor same with like there's a deviation in temple of doom and i like that movie and i'll defend that movie but like there is a shift, like a huge tonal shift between it. And it doesn't work. It, it does not. Like, it, it's not, it's very jarring. So, like, they, just just a really well, it, it, maybe dead center in the middle of the whole universe in terms of release date. And it's great. It's like, that's the, the climax. For, I mean, as much as I love Endgame and, uh, or Infinity War, I really like Infinity War. But, like, this this was like okay they're doing something here different and it was it was like the Iron Man one of the sequels mm, yeah yeah this is a ten rewatchability just I, outstanding always enjoy it. it's great on its own too which it manages yeah. to do and also so <laughs> integral to what comes next like yeah yeah I think that's part of it it's so different from one like one is almost more like like the first Captain America is almost more like a prelude and yeah. then this is actually one, you know, kind yeah. of thing where For it's like, sure. yeah, like they're so, they're so different. It's, I mean, it's, it's part of the same story and that it's the same character in his origin, but, but yeah, like the fact that it kind of like jumps from the past to the present, it's like, yeah, like you could kind of pick up here and just be like, all right, we're in this story, you know, where are yeah. you at? Yeah, I, I give it it also. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. Double tens. I think it's the first one that we've had at yeah. that high end in common, I think of the rest of them, we've kind of scattered. We haven't had the same rating. Yeah. What about the first Avengers? Was that? Oh, no, that was double. That, that was also a double. Ten. We get yeah. one, one an episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly one an episode because this next film is a giant yeah. heap of garbage. Uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. Similar to Doctor Strange, where I was expecting more and got much less. Mm-hmm. Again, they know. advertised it, you know, and I said this with, with Dr. Strange, like, was this my own expectations or is this what we, they made me think it was based on the trailers, right. you know, like they made me think that Avengers age of Ultron was going to be a horror film, you know, like the way yeah. they were playing up the creepiness the of the yeah. no strings. And, and it was just like, Oh my God. Like I was ready to be scared at a Marvel film, you know? And then it was silly. And it was like, oh, okay. Like, it just, yeah, from again, totally like watching that opening sequence when they're taking down the bunker, everything is so CG, everything is so like squishy. And then they do the big money shot jumping over the, the, the uh, log or whatever together. And it's like, here's the trailer, here's where Avengers flashes. It just instantly, like, in the same way, I'll get drive through. Sets the tone for Batman Forever. I was just like, are we really this this cutesy right now? Like I and Spader is like not not a bat like a, a lower tier actor. Like they got a name and he's right. a good idea for a villain. And I I there's certain things I liked about him playing a little more like little kid to him. Like I liked that he had kind of infantile qualities because he was growing. But the, the there wasn't enough of that. And that's the thing. Like, I wanted to know Ultron more, and we didn't really focus a whole lot on him. Yeah. 
And what they did with him was just kind of like arbitrary. I'm going to drop a meteor on the earth. Is that, is that an Ultron thing? I thought Ultron was all about like infiltration and domination. I, maybe that's me mis- not, not reading a whole lot of Age of Ultron. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the whole idea of it being like, yeah, this AI and it being like a metaphor for the way technology kind of rules our lives in that sense that like, you know, if, if we had this AI that was able to infiltrate all of technology, like we'd be fucked, you know? And, and I think that's a big part of like with, with the age of Ultron comic books, like not, not that when they called it age of Ultron, I wasn't expecting an adaptation of the age of Ultron comics because it's like, Oh, it's a catchy title. They're using that title because it has to do with Ultron. But like, I feel like, yeah, a lot of the Ultron stories, um, I mean, I think one of them they did where he infiltrates like Tony's armor and ends up like, you know, able to control it. And like, I think he even like, because of it, I think extremist was in it at this point, he's able to like physically manipulate like Tony's body and stuff like that. And it was like really creepy and weird, you know, like, like that's the kind of stuff I'm expecting, like a, or like, a, um, like a lawnmower man kind of thing where his consciousness goes into all of technology and like, you know, the announcement of my, you know, arrival will be every phone ringing on the entire planet simultaneously showing that I'm this globally encompassing entity and all of your technology. Like, like that's kind of what I was expecting, you know, and they made it like much more localized. They made it, I feel like much more just about the the other robot, you know, like the suits of armor, kind of like we were saying with Iron Man three, like it was just more about like an army of robots then really leaning into, you know, oh, your cell phone is now in your computer and the ATM and like everything, right. everything around you is a villain now, you know, they not were more just, like oh, they're doom bots, you know, right? Like it was much more like Dr. Doom, doom yeah. bots, like just mindless throne. Like I, and that's the thing, like it, it built up really heavy. It looked, it looked on track. I didn't love the, the, uh, what they did with Black Widow's character, where all she was like, like very tied up in her reproductive identity as the only thing that gave her any value. Like it just, just because she she was talking about like they made me a monster too. The thing that her and Bruce like bond over is that, that like, right? I don't know. Like it just very. I didn't think it was very well written what they did with that relationship. Like there was a little bit of legs for them developing a a, a relationship from first Avengers, but nothing. We saw nothing of it. And now we're supposed to believe it. I don't know. I don't know that I believe Banner is emotionally available for that. Like at all. Like I, I, anyway, I just, it served them poorly. It served twins poorly because they were still in that, trying to figure out if we can have X-Men only if they're in this version like that, right. that was clunky and not terribly great. Um, Claw was good. I guess Claw's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool intro to that character. Yeah. And he, he's who loses his limb in that one. Yep. Yeah. That's uh that was the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I really, I, I mean, I like the, the worthy, hammer if the elevator's not worthy that whole discussion it was great in the language thing but again it was just like that's where people talk about marvel and the humor being like not getting the mixture right i feel like that's age of ultron is is the, the reason because it's like we should be 
afraid of Ultron. That's what What If did really well. Was like mm-hmm. you know Ultron could have ruled the universe, right? Like right. that. That's how big a bad he was. Yeah, he's not just a big kid, not a digital kid with a big rock. You know, it, it just, again, like oversimplification. I think that that was part of it. I don't know. Like it. it I also, why is it in Sokovia? What this fake country? Like what? Did they just say how? Can, what? What fake word can we put in front of accords to make it snappy and punchy for the movie? Like, is that a fictional nation? I, I didn't care. Why wasn't it like a real place? Why couldn't it yeah. be a real place? Like, yeah, it, yeah. It, this one, this one irritates me. Like, I, I actively dislike this one. Yeah, I think too. Like, you know, I, I remember hearing a lot of like what. Uh what Joss Whedon was complaining about was like how much control the studio had as far as like, you have to do this, you have to do this in terms of it, you know, being a bridge to what happens in phase three. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot of what he had issues with that. He wasn't sort of just able to do the film he wanted to do, which it's like, yeah, like this isn't just like your property. Like this is, you know, yeah, again, this is like part two of a series and not just like a series of standalone films, but a stand of also tying in all these other films, you know, it's like, so yes, you, I mean, and I feel like of all people as a showrunner, he should understand that, you know, that, you know, did he ever have his writers and directors be like, well, your idea for the scope of this, of Buffy as a whole is getting in the way of the story I want to tell with why my one episode or whatever, you know? So I feel like, you know, that those parts to me also weren't jarring because I'm used to seeing that in comic books, you know, where in the middle of a, sh- a series you're reading, it has some sort of prologue to a story that's going to come out in three months or whatever, right. you know? Yeah. Um, and to me that that's something that I also realize like makes these stories f- seem more real because in real life, you don't get to deal with one problem at a time right. in the midst of one problem there gets the, the seeds get planted for a new problem. And that may or may not show itself while you're dealing with this current problem or a few months down the line or after you're dealing with some other problem in the middle. You know what I mean? So, like, the fact that, like, there were seeds being planted in that film that didn't come to fruition until later, like, that I thought was brilliant. Like, yeah, like, that's that's what it's like to be a human. You have to compartmentalize all these things. And, like, I was in the middle of dealing with a problem, my own personal shit, and now this other big thing came up that I have to deal with and put this on hold. And then, oh, I got so busy dealing with this big urgent thing that I forgot about that thing I was dealing with. And that's not going to pop up again until I'm doing some other problem. And then, oh, shit, that's right. I was in the middle. You know, it's like like that that complexity, I thought, was, you know, it doesn't make for the cleanest of narrative in a single film. But it's, it's fucking real. You know, it's what it's like to be human, you know. Um, so I, I really like that. I like that there was all the stuff Tony was dealing with about to put the suit of armor around the world. And um, when they have that little moment where they're hiding on Clint's farm and like him and, you know, Steve get that yeah, conversation. Yeah. I feel like all that stuff is like, yeah, like, you know, this is stuff that's been brewing that we haven't been able to have a conversation about until now. And then there was the whole thing where I think Thor goes and he sees like the premonitions in that pool. Right. And I think that was like, you know, foreshadowing Ragnarok and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, like, again, like, like, oh, fuck, this is some problem I have to deal with in the future, but it's not here now. So I've got to just lock it away for a while and deal with this problem, you know, but I think the idea of having things overlap like that are are great and you shouldn't shy away from them as a storyteller, you right. know, especially if you know you're doing a film that's in the middle of a bigger story, you know. Plus um, you did the first 
one of like it, you, it's your own it like you 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 yeah. own a stake in it no other film with avengers bears anybody else's name like except for the british one you know like that that's also like okay i'm not pick it back up i, I don't know yeah yeah and and you know and again i think that was also at the point where i don't know I don't know if they knew the infinity stuff was going to be two films at that point. So, you know, were they maybe thinking of it as a trilogy in which case, you know, again, like this is part two of a trilogy, like, like there there's, there's a role that has to play, you know, it is, you know, this, this middle story, you know, and, um, it's the thing, like, I don't think Ultron was a bad mid-story baddie either. Like, again, the scale and the power of that, but like just totally reducted. And that's the thing, like, you plant the seeds. Bendis did it. There's helmet. There was Ultron heads planted around literally Easter eggs. Like, like you, you always could come back. You didn't have to yeah. bury him either, you know? Like, that's the other thing. No acknowledgement of what was coming. I don't know. Like, he got lost. He seemed to yeah. have gotten lost with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's interesting that you, you bring up Bendis because – that was one of my favorite things and why sometimes I'm glad I read things out of order, even though I liked reading things in order was that. um, So sort of post civil war in the comics, they have, uh, I think they have like new Avengers and mighty Avengers and in the mighty Avengers, I think Bendis was actually writing both of them too. And mighty Avengers, that's where Ultron comes back and like takes over Tony's armor and all this other stuff. And it's like, Oh, he's been lying dormant since such and such a time. And all the way back, and I think this was Bendis's first run on Avengers was when he did Avengers Disassembled, when he like tears the whole team apart. And all of a sudden, like Tony becomes drunk. This is after he's been like a recovering alcoholic and he's doing, I think, a speech to the UN and all of a sudden he's drunk. And he's like, I I don't know what the hell's going on. Like, I didn't drink. I swear to God, like I just became drunk. And I think someone is like, oh, could it be that Ultron's hiding in your armor? And he's like, no, I don't think so. Blah, blah, blah. And they kind of brush it off and move on. But like, that was there, like back in like, you know, issue one of Bendis's run. And then this comes to fruition, like years later, this I'm talking, you know, we went through Avengers disassembled. We went through new Avengers building the team back up. We went to, we went through civil war, tearing them back down to having two Avengers teams where it's like, Oh, here are the street level Avengers and the mighty Avengers. And then, Oh, look, Eltron pops in because he's been hiding in your armor this whole time, just like you thought, you know, back then. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, and House of M was in there, too. So, like, like it was, you know, that's the thing. It must have been, like, three to five years before that storyline finally happens, and he hinted at it in, like, his, I think, issue one of his first run on Avengers. Um, but, yeah, so it's like, that. That's that's supposed to be you know, again, like, that. That's that's part of comic books. You know, if you have you know, that's not a stories big... planned out ahead of time, you can do right. cool stuff like that, you know? And... and that's the thing, like, fan service, and again, we talk about these things because we can recognize when it's good, we don't create the things that are, are doing it when it's bad. So, like, I, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing to do. But I feel like it's easier now than ever because we're telling you, we're literally telling you how to do it. Yeah. Like, there's a way to reference it without saddling the current movie with any baggage, you can reference it. You can do like a flyby. You can linger on something like it can be referenced in a way that's subtle that doesn't derail your whole creative onus on the 
current project, you know, like, yeah, it, yeah. it just, and I mean, you know, yeah, like I think to me, the most successful thing about the whole like Marvel universe is how, you know, and it, it's funny too, because I saw a thing on Facebook where it was like a, you know, a, a screenshot of a tweet someone made where it was some writer and he was saying how someone left a bad review on his book. And it's like, oh, it seems he like he's making it up as he goes along. And the writer was like, oh, I have news for you about how stories are written or something like that. And it's like, and at first I laughed. It's like, yeah, it's like, does this person not know what fiction is? But it's like, wait, no, like you shouldn't be writing a story from top to bottom, front to back. Like, like you should know where you're going. Like that's, I mean, yeah. at least, at least for me, like, that's what I appreciate is that like, you know, you're don't start telling a story because you like how the story ends and then realize partway through, I don't know how this is going to, I mean, how you, you know, you start telling a story because you like how it begins and not know how it's going to end and then end shitty because you never thought that far ahead, you know, like, you know, and that was the the biggest thing that I, that like added that level for me with the, the Marvel universe was that like knowing that from the very beginning, well, not the very beginning from Captain America, like this was an infinity saga, you know, like, like when they introduced the cosmic cube, it's like, Oh yeah, cosmic cube. That's a thing. We know what that is. But then finding out later that, oh, that was one of the infinity stones. And that's what this was. And that's, you know, and that they had woven that through the whole, the whole arc, the whole epic arc. Like, you know, that was, that was incredible to me. You know, again, it showed that they were planning where they're going. They're not just kind of like flying by the seat of their pants, you know, and, and like, let's just, you know, again, let's just put out whatever and they'll love it because it's comic book shit. It's like, no, like we love it because we know, you know, where this is going, you know, you're not doing step one until you know what step 10 is you know um and you know and that's yeah that's that to me is like what what takes it to that next level not that every movie you see or every book you read has to have that level of like connectedness but that's that's one of the things i love about the marvel stuff is that it is all interconnected you know yeah and, and it's like and and there, there, you do get a sense of a bigger picture being there, you know? And I, and again, like, yeah, I mean, that's just my opinion and that's, but that is how it, that is what informs a lot of how I kind of appreciate and interpret things, you know, back to our discussion earlier about episodes seven, eight, and nine, you know, I, you know, I think a lot of times early on in, in discussions, we've many discussions we've had about this. It's not just about me being a JJ Abrams fan fanboy and that it was someone other than JJ. It was the fact that all three feel like disjunct individual films instead of a trilogy. So they're it was all like, in different trilogies. Like they're right. all different points of different stories being told. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it, they don't feel like part of the same universe. They don't feel like a progression of events. And, and that's what I feel like Marvel has been the best at that. Like you, you're not seeing a movie until the creators know what's happening 10 movies down the line, you know, and, and, and you, you, you get that sense and you get that payoff because of that. So, yeah. So I guess back to what we were saying, like, like Joss Whedon, like get, get over yourself. Like you are part of something bigger. You don't get to just sit here and make the movie you want to make in isolation. You know, like, like this is part of a bigger world. Like that's, that's what this is. That's what you signed on for, you know? Um, so in the, in the opposite way of, I, I didn't want Iron Man to be the follow-up to Avengers, but I wanted this to be the follow-up to fucking Winter Soldier that was the thing. It also negative. It did not benefit from coming after such a great sequel. 
Because that that's that put a different level of, of pressure on. Okay, this is Avengers two. We just had Captain America two, and it totally flipped the script. Yeah. If Avengers two is it, it had, and that's the thing. It's it's the most difficult thing to land in the whole of the series. Honestly, right? It's the worst one. But they didn't have to make it so. Like if they had written a decent story, they could have threaded that no problem. Like it yeah. really. It, it, yeah, and, and I think that's uh, got it into his head, and obviously the scandal noted about him. But like it, the pressure of having to, to to deliver that again, obviously, but also just like they they did a lot of scaffold work for you. Like that stuff is supposed to guide you rather than hem you in. You know, like yeah. just work work with what came before and weave it into the next thing. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to bend over backwards to do it. Just find the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, I feel like I don't think the flaw, you know, and, and, and this is the same thing too, is like, yeah, like I feel like I, I've heard people criticize, like when you have, uh, I think one of the ones with this specifically was like, oh, it was basically just to get you to the next point. And it's like, well, well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, that's again, that's kind of what, what life is, you know, like parts of your life are like, a means to an end and it's it's it, it could be kind of awkward and up in the air and, and whatever and to me that's not what the flaw of this film was you know like it could have been a bridge to the next thing but still been done effectively oh yeah. you know and and the other part of it too that i think you know like and i agree what you're saying with how like kind of hokey the beginning is but i think the point of that and again whether this was done well or not you know is, is up for debate but but I think the point was to show the whole first Avengers movie was about was them coming together and how much they bickered and fought right. until they finally came. And this is starting with them as a team, but then right. them getting torn down again, you know, like right. between like Scarlet Witch fucking with them. And then, you know, like, like the, the sort of the arrogance of like, Oh, build a suit of armor. And Oh, now I just created our worst villain, you know, that type of thing, you know, like, like, I think those, those, those elements were great. I can understand, like if someone pitched this movie to me, I'd be like, that's a great fucking idea. But it was somewhere along the way, like the way it got fleshed out. And again, maybe it's not Joss's fault. Maybe it's the writer's fault. You know, the way they wove that story and, and fleshed out that story. Maybe that's where some of the flaws are. But like, I feel like it had good bones, you know, like it could, like you yeah. said, it didn't have to be that way, you know. And it's doing a lot. Like we get a whole vision origin story, which is a bizarre, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Like that's, and that's the thing when I rewatch it, it's like, Oh, how did, how did vision come into the, the conversation? That's usually my motivation and to see Spader do some stuff. Cause I think Spader puts in the things that they allow him to do that are scary and atmospheric are really interesting and cool. And I like him and vision talking about stuff and that philosophical. That's the other thing is like, there's a lot of, again, like good material, good bones, did we need Scarlet Witch and Pietro? I don't think we did. I really, I, they didn't really add anything. I mean, Scarlet Witch, I had come to love, but like, they just wait till you have the fucking rights and do it upright. Like, I, that, do that. I, it's one less thing that you're saddling it with. I don't know. Maybe that, I mean, that's studios, I guess. I, I don't know. But yeah. I mean, like, I guess part of that too is like, it, it I think it, because it's also the origin of the vision, like bringing Scarlet Witch in at that right. same point. No, that makes sense. Also, like one of the other things I did like about it was that even though it was only in moments, 
we did get that reference to the idea that like, you know, in the comics where Hawkeye, um, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver all join, I think at the same time. And they're all basically oh, like see. suspect, you know, like I think at that point, like Hawkeye grew up in the circus, but I think he was a criminal for a while. Like, and, and then, you know, the other two being the kids of Magneto and kind of being part of like these, you know, right. mutant terrorist groups. So like, where does their allegiance lie? Right. Yeah. So I think the, the idea that like those were brought in at the same time where we're kind of wondering like what's supposed to happen with Hawkeye. Um, and I know John's mentioned that like he, he thinks that Hawkeye was originally supposed to die. I think that he, I think he was, he totally teed it up for that. Yeah. I think they what totally he said is that did. Joss Whedon wanted to kill Hawkeye and they wouldn't let him or something like that. And I think maybe that's what, which, I mean, part of it for me is also like, I feel like if, if, you think a character is going to die. Like that's not who's going to die. Like from what I know of Joss Whedon, like anytime someone dies in a Joss Whedon joint, like you were not expecting it or like, like the whole, I don't know if you know about like how much you know about Buffy, but like um, Willow's girlfriend for a while, she, she had become a regular part of the show, but her name wasn't in the opening credits for like the longest time. And fans were complaining about that. Like she's not just a side character anymore. She's a main character. And then finally her her name is in the opening credits and he kills her that episode and it comes out of nowhere it's someone some asshole comes up with a gun and is trying to like kill buffy and he's like shooting at buffy and one of the stray bullets like goes in through the window and hits her and kills her like it's an unceremonious way to die it's it's fucking senseless it's fucking but it's but it's so fucking real and there was nothing to cl- other than the fact that he finally caved and put her name in the credits. And like, that's an example of how characters die in a Joss Whedon story. Not I'm going to set this up and make this character a focal point to, you know, because his story is about to come to an end. Like, I don't think that that was his plan and that was what he wanted to do. And that the only reason it didn't happen is they didn't let him. I think if anything, he wanted to make you think Hawkeye was going to die but then he didn't, you know, and that was... See, and that was if more. that was the goal, I think in the execution, I also have a problem with it. Like, because if that, it's like, it was so, so artless, the setup. You know, it was, it was so, like, like, I just, <laughs> it's grunting. I can only express it through grunting. <laughs> you know, it's just, it seems like it was, it was such a, um, rim shot punchline type mm-hmm. oh we got you looking over here it's over here it yeah. just, i don't know everything about that film was just like dancing and shaking with it i, right, I, I sure. it was all jazz hands no no jazz <laughs> <laughs> so rewatchability yeah well and and i mean i think one other the, the other thought i have with that and, and to be fair this could be me trying to overly read into things but i think you I think, what? No. Yeah. <laughs> I think the point of that is that like I think many people saw Hawkeye as like, how does he match up with all of these Avengers characters? You know, and that's that's been like a comment. Like he he has a fucking bow and arrow. Like, how is he there with like Captain America and Hulk and Iron Man and Thor, you know, even Black Widow? Like I feel like even with her her background, like she's definitely more hardcore, you know. And and you know, and the fact that he sat out most of the first Avengers film. Like, I think it was, I think part of it is that he is kind of looked at as this throwaway character. And I think that his point in that film was, you know, the, the speech he gives to black, to, to, to Scarlet Witch and the way that he kind of 
um, inspires her to kind of move, walk out and be an Avenger. And the fact that he would have died had not he been part of this inspiration to make, you know, Pietro also be like, you know, something better than himself and become a hero to the point where he like saved his life. You know, I think, I think to me, that's the, the point of that is not that like, you know, it was just a bait and switch for the sake of like being a bait and switch. It was that like, Hawkeye is is greater than the sum of his parts you know like he's he's better than just like oh I shoot a bow and arrow it's it's the inspiration of like even though all I do is shoot a bow and arrow I'm I'm in on this team with all these other superhumans you know and the the that inspiration is kind of what brought Wanda and Pietro to the next level and why Hawkeye didn't die was because his his influence as an inspiration was what brought Pietro to that next level and made it so that like he took his place, you know, and died instead. Um, again, so like I said, a little bit be... more like leader of the West coast Avengers from that too. And you, like that yeah. he, again, it's a good, I think they did it. They did it even better in the Hawkeye series. Right. Cause we, he's broken, he's beat up, but he still has that. He's a human that's doing this shit. Right. Yeah. He's punching above his weight, but he's also like, he has he has the right thing to say because he's a guy who's lived lived some life and learned some stuff and these kids like that's the other thing about Wanda and Pete, Peter is that they had no fucking childhood they have no social skills they have not nothing but what they've been fed by Hydra you know like so yeah. it, that that's another thing is is he he is the everyman and he is necessary for being that and that yeah that that's fair that that yeah. I also like the one of the one of the good things about it I think is that like when Wanda is kind of like fucking with them like what they are seeing as sort of like you know Wanda's like fucking with their minds like I don't I don't think she specifically implanted specific visions I think she brought out sort of their like worst fear. their own fears right and to me that was also brilliant too because I I you know under that premise like with Cap like his worst fear was the war being over, you know, like that was one of the things they talk about is like, you know, Oh, look, we're dancing and you get to be with Peggy and it's, it's nice, but he wasn't like at peace with that. It was like, Oh no, like all I am is a soldier. If I'm not a soldier fighting in the war, then what am I? And that was like the fear. Like it wasn't meant to be like, Oh, look, you can be happy with the woman you love. Just sort of, you know, take peace in that. It was like, like, no, like, I don't know myself unless there's a war for me to fight. So I, I thought that was brilliant. And I mean, I thought like the whole thing with the Hulk too, I remember people criticizing it being like, well, we saw all these visions that everybody had, but we didn't see a vision that Hulk had. And I was like, I don't think he saw a vision. I think he saw what was actually happening. Like his worst fear is being that monster. And that's what he was doing was rampaging through the city for no reason without being able to be stopped. So there wasn't a vision that he was hallucinating. It was like him being the monster that was there that was that was it you know it was it was reality you know it wasn't it wasn't some sort of imagined potential fear it was like what he was um so yes yeah, so like i thought i thought there were yeah again there were so many like good moments and i feel like this is a lot of the case with with a lot of things that are are bad is that they're not always 100 percent bad it's just like right. you had it right so much of the time like what where did why did these things go wrong you know, so and that's the thing. At a certain point, it's like, are you trying 
are you trying to be the movie in the middle or are you trying to bridge the gap between what came before? And I think Josh might have given up on that. I think that that's yeah. he didn't want to fight that battle. He didn't want to write that or direct that movie. So I think this one's pretty low on the rewatch scale. Like I need it for like a big rewatch preparing for like the newest new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't enjoy it though. It, this is like a three on a good day. Like any other day, it'll be a two. It's a two, two plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's for me, it's, it's, it's a four, I think. Cause I do, like I said, I enjoy a little bit. I enjoy parts of it. Um, it's probably kind of on par with like Spider-Man three, where it's not end to end terrible. You know, there are, there are parts that I like about it. And it's only when I'm watching it being like, yeah, like, I don't know why this got such, oh, that's why. Okay. You know, like, again, like I said, like for me to dislike something, it has to kind of hit me in the face. It has to be, I'm not looking for things to dislike. It has to be just like cringy, you know, like, and I think there, yeah, there are moments like that where it's just like, wait, why the fuck? You know, like, why is this happening? You know? And, and I guess, yeah, to be fair, we don't know if the things that I don't like are, joss's choices or what the studio made him do but like i i I don't i don't buy that excuse because like i said i'm i'm on board with that i'm on board with you know having to plant seeds and things like that so i i don't i don't i don't fall into the camp of people where it's like oh poor joss like marvel fucked this up for him you know it's like like no like any of those things like i don't i don't mind I'm, i'm i like getting seeds planted and getting foreshadowing of what's to come so it's like, to, you know, for me, it seems more like the on the ground stuff. That's like, you know, you could have done this better, you know? So, yeah. but yeah, so, but, but again, like I still enjoy the, I enjoy many parts of it. I enjoy the romp of it, you know, to some degree. Um, again, I actually, now that I think of it, I've only seen it once or twice, maybe. So maybe if I watched it another time, my rating would go down. It's been like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, I was giving it more credit, maybe, <laughs> you know? Right. So what I was going to say is I want to rewatch Ant-Man before I talk to you about it. Cause I've only seen it once and it's mm-hmm. been a long time. So in keeping with our just zany madcap, not following any kind of fucking order, we're going to do phase <laughs> two, <Oops>. but one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just about enough of that. <laughs> and here's Tim with the final word. Amalgam. Amalgam. <laughs>